Welcome to Rooster Radio, a broadcast dedicated to supporting and promoting local artists in the Gaston County and surrounding areas. Thank you for joining us. This week, we're talking to Brent Cates. Brent has put out two full-length albums and has been touring for nearly 20 years. His unique sound is the product of a melting pot of influences, and he has lots of stories to tell. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the sounds of Brent's song, Back Home, from his album, Wasted Words. My markers keep going by, come down my way back home. The empty seat beside of me reminds me I'm alone. I'm trying to sleep away the time, but my mind keeps reeling, and though I'm feeling down, there's hope you're waiting for me. I'm back home, there's something calling me more than that that takes me away. More than the words of person, and all the dues that I have to pay there. Nothing I can do, I'm stuck here in this place. The love I have for you And the love for the road But that carries me away mm-hmm. Though the lights are blinding me I still know you're somewhere around But when the lights, they fade away You're nowhere to be found Five years, new places, new faces Never miss what I left behind But tonight There's only one thing on my mind Back home There's something calling me More than that that takes me away More than the words of person And all the dues that I have to pay there Nothing I can do I'm stuck here in this place With the love I have for you And the love for the road That carries me away Right there was Brent Cates, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a round of applause. That's well good done, stuff. my friend. Yeah, absolutely. So, Brent, why don't you introduce our listeners to yourself 
and a little bit about yourself. My name's Brent. Obviously, we've we've established that from Gastonia. <laughs> Born and raised, still living there. Been playing music pretty much my whole life since I was about four. Uh, piano, drums, and I picked up guitar and oh my god, oh seven, I think. And uh, yeah, just been doing it my entire life pretty much. What's your favorite instrument to play? Well, it just depends on the time. Right now, guitar, because that's what I'm doing right now. But, I mean, I always have a soft spot for the drums. I mean, it's like, you know, since I was four, that was my primary thing was the drums. So, but I, I love playing piano. I love playing guitar. That's like playing music. But get behind the drums every now and then. It's that familiar, the familiarity. You know, it's, it's what I do. It's what started it all. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it was hard to get away from that. Um. You know, it's like the music community, all the other musicians, they still look at you, you know, like, you need to get back behind the drums where you belong. It's like, what are you doing on guitar? <laughs> I'm just like, I, I could play guitar, I could play guitar. You know, so it's like, people, I still find myself when people say, you know, you're a, man, you're a good guitar player. I seem to, for some odd reason, without them asking, I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm a drummer. Why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep saying that? You know, it's like I, I don't even accept myself as a guitar player. But so yeah, I, I guess drums would be the my first passion. So it's like, but I enjoy it all, man. It's like playing music. Well, I love that track we just listened to back home. Um, tell us a little that. bit. Tell us a little bit about that tune. Now, are you playing keys? You mentioned you love playing Play. keys. Were you playing the uh, the keys in that song? I played the. The, the drums, the way we, we tracked it, we had a few people on that uh, record. Uh, it was Ben Gatlin. Uh, Tough Blanton was, uh, he, he just passed away recently of cancer. He was a really good bass player. Um, and we had a guy named Grub Thornburg that uh, played keyboard, organ, and a little bit of piano and some of the stuff. I think he Grub Thornburg? Grub Thornburg. That's call him Grub. His name's strong name. Jimmy, but uh, they, they call him Grub. Yeah. If you met him, it makes sense. Yeah. You know, groovy voice, you know. And, uh, <laughs> he played on it. And so the way we would do it, I went in, um, tracked the drums with the bass player in the, in the main room, and then uh, I'd go in, track the guitar, go in, track the piano. Uh, sometimes Grub would play the organ while I tracked piano. Um, then I'd go in and do the vocals, track the harmonies, all of the parts separately and then any percussion. So it was just like piecing a quilt together. Yeah. You know, and it, so it took way longer. I think that record ended up being $30,000 by the time it was said. Wow. Ooh, goodness. Yeah, it was it, the second one I did in my own studio. Uh, a friend of mine, Joey Dunlevy, had a studio. And so, yeah, second Not time cheaper. I was like, I'm not spending $30,000 ever again. I get Pro Tools. I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, that song was one of the first ones I wrote. It was just when I was on the, when I was like a teenager, you know, most of my friends were wrestling in the backyard and, and, you know, building bonfires and just hanging out. I was always at a frat house in, you know, Chapel Hill or East Carolina or Georgia or Florida. Thursday through Saturday, I was gone. Yeah. And, it was like, I had a girlfriend at the time, so it was like, you know, 
when you're playing, you don't think about that stuff. You're just like, man, I got the greatest job in the world. I'm only 16 and I'm playing frat houses, you know. And then, but when you're on the in the van or in the hotel room on the way home, you're just like, man, this sucks. Well, my friends are probably partying it up right now. I'm sitting in a van. I still got four hours to, you know. So I wrote that song about being homesick because it, it was a little weird. Yeah. At that age. Well, and. That's crazy that you mentioned that because I was going to mention that that album, it was released, what, in 2009? 2009, yeah. It came out March of 2009, I think is when I put it out. It fin- we finished production on it January of 2009, so I officially got the CDs back uh, in two th- uh, March, I think, of that year. W- would you say that th- more than just that song was... Because listening to the album, there like a lot of the songs kind of sound have like a misconnection kind of vibe and so am i reading too much into it or is it is it did you draw inspiration from the long road being away kind of like stoic artist doing his dream and or were they all about a girl or yeah it's weird well some of some of them were songs my brother actually co-wrote and uh, a friend of mine mcgatlin co-wrote um just friends with him and that was about a girl uh, you know, some of them are hypothetical. You know, there's a song called She'll Do My Wife Hates. And uh, <laughs> it's the lyrics are just paint me out to be this horrible person. And uh, it's all hypothetical. That's a good song, though. It, yeah. it, I, I love I the groove that. and the music, but I listen to the lyrics. I was like, oh, what are you doing? What did you, what did you do that for? <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny at the time. It was meant to be a joke. And it, you know, it's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But um, my brother wrote uh, some of those songs. Like October, he wrote that. I just went in and kind of finished it. Funky you know, bass at the beginning of that one. Yeah, yeah. That, that um, I can't remember who actually came up with. I think DeWarren was the bass player at the time. The on the first version we did, but yeah, there was a lot of songs my brother helped co-write. We wrote together, and we just never finished them. Well, you brought up your brother. Let's go ahead and talk about that. Is that the same brother I know? It's not Justin. Well, you know Justin. I, I, I know him, but you know he was the guitar. You knew the drummer. Yeah, um, Brock. Um, so yeah, just for those listening, Brent and I go way back, way over there (laughs) when, uh, Cody, I had a band called Pell Reason back in the late nineties. Okay. And, uh, Brent's older brother, Brock was my age. We were 17. So Brent was 11 and I used to get a kick out of watching Brent jump on Brock's drums cause he'd jump on and try to outdo Brock. At eleven, he's trying to you know you know show up his older brother, and I could see the frustration in Brock's face because he knew that Brent was just as good as he was. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Old. I don't know, Brock. That's a, that's I mean that's like a good thing about it is I grew up in a musical household, man. It was well, I, I, I yeah. Mean, was we used crazy. to practice at Brent's house. Yeah. So oh, every wow. yeah the whole house was full of instruments yeah, and yeah. Crazy. My parents were. They never, my mother was, you know, she was a, you know, Church of God, you know, Christian, and we played in church, and... Shout out to Vera. Yeah, and uh, she uh, she taught me a little bit of piano early on. I played by ear, but she kind of helped me figure out the chords, excuse me, and then uh, my brother, my brother's, I think Justin started, he wanted to play bass. Brock wanted to play drums, so they started taking lessons. I was kind of that odd kid. I was like three or four. And uh, so I would just be the kid that just ran around and beat on stuff while they took lessons. And 
And um, eventually I started getting on the drums when Brock would take a lesson. I'd get on the drums and try and do whatever he was doing. And, um, and I, at some point, I ended up getting to where I played the drums regularly. I don't know when it happened. I'll be honest, I can't even... I mean, I remember, remember pretty vividly how well he, you played at 11. I mean, I've never forgot that. It, it was. It always. That's pretty tri- awesome. Yeah, though, it always tripped me out. That like you were, you had the passion and the know how to just hop behind there, you know. And well, I'd watched Brock do it for for so long, and then it. But it was weird as my dad raised me on on classic rock, like Eric Clapton, Doobie Brothers, Peter Frampton, Leonard Skinner, and all that stuff. And actually. Um, my brothers were more of the, you know, so I was, I was heavy. And I remember Brock played in a band with a guy named Clint who took his own life. And I remember I was, I was way young. I was like nine, eight or nine. And we went to the funeral and it was the oddest funeral I've ever been to because they played per his request, I guess they played uh, stairway to heaven. That was kind of odd. And then they, they played the live version of Freebird. It was like 15 minutes long. It was just the most awkward 15 minutes Ooh. ever. Yeah. But, I just was captivated by that song. I was like, this is different, you know. And uh, my dad took me to the store, bought a, uh, the first CD I ever bought was uh, One More For The Road, the Leonard Skinner, that live record they did. Oh, great. And I was like, I listened to it front and back. I became obsessed with it. But then my brothers, they started listening to Nirvana, the 90s world. They started listening to Nirvana, you know, Metallica. They were into that stuff, so... I got into that stuff. So here I am. I listen to classic rock and 90s alternative and heavy metal, which was, you know, I just go from one extreme to the other. And then Justin went to college in 2000. And uh, I guess I was probably 15. And he was gone for uh, first semester. He came home and he went from, you know, heavy metal and grunge to he popped in a Dave Matthews VHS. And I'm like, what, what am I watching? Before, you know, you got this clean cut dude with an acoustic guitar, a black fiddle player with no shirt on, which I found very odd. And then the sax player. I'm like, what is awesome drum there was, set. A, there was a lot going on with there that. There was band. a lot going yeah. on. I'm like, I can't process this right now. What, what are we watching? And then he played it. He played a song for me. And, uh, and I was like, wow, like, that's awesome. You know? And, he had this bright idea that we were just going to start a tribute band. So we were going to start playing nothing but Dave Matthews music. I was like, what? Are you serious? I thought he was kidding. He's like, no, it's dead serious. So we did that for like six years and, uh, and toured around and, and had a good time with it. And, but I still, once I got away from that, I got started my own kind of trying to write. I picked up the guitar and tried to write a little bit. And uh, that's when all those other influences, the, the, you know, the Eric Clapton, the Skinner, the Nirvana, you know, the Pearl Jam, and then the Dave Matthews all just kind of, you know. Mashed in. Mashed in. And so you have a mixture of those different things on that record. After the show, Brent played a couple acoustic songs for us. And right now we're going to play the song Rain off of that first album, Wasted Words.
Hands on the wheel, but I have no control of my heart, but my emotions go. I swear I came in, but can I go out this way? With just a kiss, you're begging me to stay. There is no place in the whole wide world that I'd rather be than right here with you, girl. With so few words, you cause so much pain. I'm begging for more, I'm drowning in the rain. Should I stay or should I turn and leave? My eyes are open, but I refuse to see. You think by now that I could read the sign? It's been so long, caught between your lines. There is no place in the whole wide world that I'd rather be than right here with you, girl. With so few words, you cause so much pain. And I'm begging for more, I'm drowning in the rain. I won't go till I know. There's no more I can say I refuse to see The evil in your ways If it's true Then you are everything they say I still need more from you To keep me away There is no place in the whole wide world that I'd rather be than right here with you, you girl. With so few words, you cause so much pain. And I'm begging for more, I'm drowning in the rain. There is no place in the whole wide world that I'd rather be than right here with you, girl. With so few words, you cause so much pain. And I'm begging for more, I'm drowning in the rain. I'm begging for more, I'm drowning. I was talking to Michael about this because I've listened to the record in its entirety and I love it, but I can't quite put my finger on the genre. And people have asked me that. They asked me that. What is, you know, what should, what would you say your genre is? I was like, you know, I don't, I've never really, because there's, there used to be like three genres and now there's like 17 genres. So it's <laughs> like, I have no idea, you know, to me, that's up to the listener to kind of, figure that out I, I would say i always just go with like 
progressive rock because that's the only thing I can. Well, I definitely can get like a late nineties, early two thousands vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I've listened to both the records and, and they're very different, but it seems like you have a formula for songwriting. Yeah. And it's successful. And it's a good formula. Yeah. I don't know what, what it is. Some songs, you know, this number four on that record or the first record, this place, a girl actually said that to me. You know, it's like, you know, at the time, we were both like, we just lived together, but we never really talked much. We were kind of on the outs. And, you know, one day we got in an argument on the phone. I don't even know what it was about. And she said, well, let's just face it. Love left this place a long time ago. So I pulled like a Dewey Cox. <laughs> I was like, that's a good line. That's a really good line. And so I was like, you know what? You kiss my ass. And I hung up. And then uh, I, I just kept it in my head I didn't write it down I went home I played I, you know the, sometimes when you have lyrics you have to have something to play them to just to feel it to out feel it. so I knew I wanted that line yeah so all I had to do was come up with a, the rest of it forming around it so I just I said but it doesn't need to be complicated it just need to be simple so I was like what's a song that's simple and then I think I was listening to like Home by Michael Bublé and Wonderful Tonight something in that vibe so I just played those chords and uh, and sang, just sang the words, and then I, I was like, that's the song. So then I just had to shape the chord to the, bam, 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 you know, all that stuff to, to not make it like every other song. Yeah. And uh, that song took five minutes. I mean, it was done in five minutes. Man. And then there's some songs on that record that, my brother wrote when I was 13, and we just never could finish them. And it took me, a lot of alcohol. <laughs> let's talk about how you went from that you know reading up on you you know i see that you you've been on tours with some pretty big names and you're welcome to flex if you want please play uh, i didn't go on tour with them uh well you've shared the just, stage we just, we just basically you know uh played for the people coming in um and i think lifehouse was the first one that i remember Damn. um it, it's what they call it, I think. Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam Jam at Dixie's Tavern. And uh, I remember Dixie's, yeah, that's a fun place. Yeah. And uh, we we opened up for um, Lifehouse there. And um, and then I want to say we were supposed to open for we opened for three three days grace, three days grace and stained. That was mm-hmm. we sound checked on the Speed Street stage. And then a tornado came through, blew the roof off the stage. Oh, goodness. Knocked all the Twisted, uh, was it Twisted Sisters back line? It was just rolled off the stage. It was it was horrible. <laughs> so we ended up not playing. We hung out in the trailer with, with uh, we got a picture hanging out with um, uh, Stain's singer, Aaron Lewis. It was nice guy. Show. Yeah, I talked to him for 20 minutes, didn't know who he was. Oh. Uh, we were talking about the weather. He was like, I was like, you know, he asked me where I was from. And, and then it hit me. I was like, oh, you're freaking Aaron Lewis. I'm such a. Was he nice about it though? Oh, he was super cool. That's how I didn't know who it was because he didn't seem like a. He was uh, very just standing on the stage, just just nonchalant, just hanging out. You know, well, so I'm like, oh, he's probably some random stage guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, I want to talk about how you end up with an opportunity like that. You know, you went, you know, you went from playing frat houses, you know, to to you know getting on these big to big hanging out with Aaron to Lewis. Hanging out with Aaron Lewis. How, I mean, how does my, that happen for a Brent my case? My brother, actually. Uh, called up a, a booking agent, East Coast Entertainment, and East Coast Entertainment is um, 
they're kind of a they're the biggest booking agency on the East Coast, and so they they actually started booking us. And you know, at first it was you know little festivals opening up for local, not huge bands, but national, you know, kind of touring bands that right. you know. And then we started getting calls to open up for Stain and play people like that. Like what? Had you already put your album out at this point, or were you working up to your album? Oh, this was way before. This was back with the tribute band, the Dave Matthews tribute band. So we were. This is way before I thought about. Where the hell did you find a violin and saxophone player as a teenager to be in a Dave Matthews tribute band? My brother went on. God, I. I mean, we had the internet, but he put out a a filler and he found a couple guys and they, sounds like Craigslist to me. It yeah, Craigslist, might yeah. have been Craigslist. You know, it, was, <laughs> it was. It was. Early two thousands, whatever MySpace maybe was it MySpace, yeah. Yellow Pages, Google. Yeah, MySpace. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was before Facebook, so it was MySpace. MySpace. Yeah, and uh, so uh, he brought him in, and and uh, then we, uh, yeah, it was odd that finding a sax and a violinist that that play that type of music and knew those songs. Well, they had they had to have sheet music. I mean, they went bought sheet music and wow, we toiled over for for a long time and and finally put it together enough songs to do we had to we played our first frat was i think at chapel hill and we played from 10 to 3 in the morning we had to repeat the set three times oh oh, but we didn't have a bass player so justin was playing guitar and he would go over and play the bass and then he would come back to the guitar go back play the bass (laughs) fingers were bleeding at the end of the night you know it it was crazy how we just you know, we started doing it, and it just kind of picked up from there. Then we started playing the clubs, like Rira, and and then the Holy Grail back then. This is before Fillmore, you know, existed. So the Holy Grail for us was Anuses, because there was another band doing that, and uh, we were like, we got to get in Amuses. That's the goal. We got to get in Amuses, and finally we got in there. I think we drew like fifteen people. It was embarrassing. It was the most humiliating experience of my life. And he's like, let's try this opening up for somebody first. And so we opened up for the Breakfast Club. Then he brought us back again to headline. And we put about 350, 400 people in there. And I was like, thank God, you know. And um, Well, you need those types of experiences. Yeah. You, you do. It was humbling. Yeah. It was humbling. Um, but, you know, it's never, to me, it just got, it just got mundane playing the same 25, 30 songs every night. With, so it was strictly Dave Matthews. Just strictly Dave So you're just hitting We that. just start towards the end to sneak in like superstition and stuff like that because we were just bored. Yeah. And uh, I was like, man, you know, I, I really, I'm really tired of this. And we were doing a lot of, a lot of more partying than playing music. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was getting a little out of control. Um, kind of that story I was going to tell you about you said you, you know you guys are start opening a music venue I guess this is a good what not to do um, it, well if my band's playing there because this could happen but we were playing Athens Georgia at a place called Last Call and we get there it's like 5.30 6 o'clock I think you know still daylight set all our stuff up sound check the bass player, and these were different than our original members. We had already hired new members. Bass player, sax player, keyboard player show up. 
they're drunk. They drove to <laughs> oh. Athens, Georgia, with pre-gaming on the drive. Pre-gaming down. on That's the drive while turkey good. bottles gone. I'm like, oh my god. We sound check. There are six opening bands. Jesus. We don't go on till twelve thirty, one o'clock, and then play for an hour. I mean, that's place is packed. There's this little dressing room. It's like maybe maybe it's this big. I don't know. Probably a little smaller, but the ceiling was like right here at your head. Mm. Um, the most disgusting room I've ever been in in my life. And we were in there for six hours. I mean, just back, went to the bar, come back. And I remember they didn't stop drinking. They just kept on drinking and kept on drinking. I'm like, God, this is going to be horrible. Justin was blitzed. The whole band's blitzed. I'm the only sober kid because I'm a freaking kid. I can't drink. I could have, but I, somebody had to be sober. And so, um, DeWarren, he's sitting on a couch, which is a very questionable couch. And he just leans over the side of the couch and he, yeah, in the floor, just pukes in the floor. And uh, he puts a newspaper over it. Oh, my God. Like Kind of like the Adam Sandler and Big Daddy. Big you know, Daddy. We can fix this. You know, puts the newspaper <laughs> over it. We play the show. I mean, I think Justin ended up walking and falling onto the stage, like in front of all the people. It was it was horrible. It was a shit it was show. The horrible show you've ever done. Crowd was just as blessed as we were, so they probably didn't care. We go back to that venue like three months later. That newspaper is still. Oh, so oh goodness gracious. Yeah. That's the kind of places we played. I, was, I mean, Man. it was. I was like, oh my God, that newspaper is still there. Ladies and gentlemen, I can promise you that we will clean our green room every night at the restaurant. Clean your green room, man. I will personally mop that that green room. Oh, man. That's the first thing I saw when I walked in. I was like, oh my God, there's that newspaper. Puke papers. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) It got just a little out of hand where we were just doing too much drinking. Yeah. Just way too much drinking, too much partying. So, are you a water man now? Oh, hell no. No. Absolutely not. No, I still, I still, but I don't. You still drink before the show. Yeah, I don't go to that extreme. Not not often. Do you have any pre-show rituals? Because it's not drinking. We know that. Well, I do. I'll just drink it. I'll take a shot of Jaeger. Everybody in the band likes to do a shot of Jaeger before we go on. A little bit of the deer blood. A little bit of the... They say Jaeger is because it's got the... Yeah, it's horrible. It's It's absolutely terrible. It is disgusting. I love it. But, uh, (laughs) you know, and then we make, you know... uh, is this a PG show? You no, say you, can you, curse. Want, you can curse. We may go out and do a, you know, everybody kind of pass around a doobie and then we get nice and... Mellow. But I got to be careful with that because I'm not like most people. They, it's like they, Snoop Dogg. You can't just they like... They smoke and they're just like chill. I'm, I, I, I hit a point, but then I go too far. <laughs> it makes you hyper? It makes me hyper and it makes me terrified. Yeah, me too. Of everything. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm dying. I'm like, oh my God, what is it? I overthink everything. Knows. Am I rushing? Am I yeah. rushing? I'll, I'll play like a song. I'll sing one verse and then end the song. And, and everybody in the band's like, what are you doing? It's like, I have no idea. No idea. So I, I have to be very careful with my pre-show rituals. But, uh, yeah, we, you know, it's learning a balance of you don't want to be completely sober because you're going to be a boring dud if you're completely sober. Nobody sure. likes a completely sober guy. I mean... Not I don't I mean I don't know how to talk to an audience when I'm sober. I'm just too in my mind and but if I get like a shot of Jaeger, a bit of liquid courage, throw yeah. a yingling back, smoke a, a, a you know a couple hitter. hits off of it. I am yeah. 
there. I am, you know, I'm not scared. I'm not, you know, because there's still that little bit of nervousness when you get up there. Maybe not so much about performing, but just being in front of all the being in front of people. Yeah, you know, something's gonna break. Something's gonna, you know, it's just there's so many things going through your head. And I have anxiety. I take uh, effects her every day, but when I never knew that I had that when I was with the, the tribute band because I would I would lay down in a dressing room on a couch at Amos's terrified out of my mind and didn't know why I was like I'm freaking just shaking and I feel weak and I'm, I'm terrified and I never knew why until years later I figured out you know it's anxiety and well you know no one paid attention to mental health until recently really. it's 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 kind of a new it's not a new thing, but people are paying more attention to it now. And yeah, you know, it's, it's not a conversation for this podcast, but it, it definitely speaks yeah. volumes to how even you know a seasoned professional, you 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 have mastered all these instruments, and you still I'd say mastered. <laughs> well, I don't know. I listen to the albums, it. and I'd say you knowing that you play all these instruments on the albums, I'd say you have mastered the the instruments. And then a guy like you still gets up in front of a crowd and, you know, you're still dealing with the anxiety no matter how. And you've been doing it for 20 or more years. 20 years. Yeah, so it just it just goes to show, you know, yes, it's a real thing. Yeah. Well, mine was you know, OCD related. Apparently, it's like not the kind where you close doors three times or all that stuff. But, you know, just that you tend to overly focus on stupid things that make, unhealthy things. That make yeah. you... And so for me, it's possible that that OCD is what kind of made me learn the guitar so fast because I'm obsessed over it. Yeah. I'm obsessed over every, you know, thing about it, you know, just immerse myself seven hours a day, just wanted to know why am I doing this? How am I doing this? You know, and so it was good for that. But when it came to, you know, the other, the other part of it where you obsess over, you know, you think you're dying of something because you got a bruise on your arm. That's pretty bad. Yeah. So that's my, that was my world. And then, so I had to get that under control because it affected everything. It affected my music career. It affected all that. So thankfully, I got that under control. And Do you still get the pre-show nervousness a little bit? It, it's it, I wouldn't say nervousness. I would say I get more nervous when like there could be 3,000 people in the room that doesn't bother me it's when you play for the crowds that are intently staring at you and listening to everything you do yeah you need more moving around dancing you know give me that bar crowd that's watching the game and like I can't watch my football you know give me that (laughs) I could deal with that because they're not paying but when they're just sitting here like this just watching your hands and looking at everything it's like yeah you kind of like look off at the light. Yeah, you don't want to, you know, keep your eyes closed. And then when you open them, you you lock eyes with. You don't picture naked. everyone naked. It doesn't help. Um, that makes it worse because you know, and I always open my eyes and lock eyes with the most awkward person in the room, like the burly, <laughs> freaking burly guy. Oh, you, you find me at every show. Open my eyes and there's this random guy, like, you know, like, looks like he's like enjoying the show a little too much. He's like taking notes, like licking his lips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let's see how uncomfortable we can make Brent right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Nah, you know, it, it, you you definitely make it sound uh, 
more grand than it was. I mean, we were just, you know, we went home. We didn't go on the road, stay gone. We stayed gone maybe three days or a couple of nights and went home. And I went to school, which I didn't care about. I don't know how I graduated. But, uh, Dude, then, same. Well, I think, I, I think, you know, you say that I make it sound more grand than it was, but, uh, you know, God, I don't, I really don't want to compare myself to anybody doing this, but entrepreneurs are the same way. You've got to have balls to do something like that, to go out and get in front of people and play music and sing and, you know, just like anybody that goes off on their own and starts yeah. a business, like it, it's, you know, I, it's not that I'm making it sound grand. It's that I'm emphasizing, hey, like, yeah, not can. everyone can do this. And that's even true. those that do struggle. Yeah. You know, that's kind of where I'm going with it. And I, I think, well, part of it, I mean, is when I did it back then, I had to do it for money. I was a kid. I lived at home. I didn't even, I wish I knew what happened to all the money, though, because I did make <laughs> a lot of money. But I don't know what ever happened to it. But, um, not, you know, I did it for a living for about a year where I played four or five nights a week, sometimes twice a day. I hated it. absolutely hated it. Really? I did not want to play music anymore because it just became a job. You had yeah. You had you to have a choice. It took the fun out of it. It took huh? the fun out of it. Back when I played with Fat Band, where we were doing it for fun, you know, instead of money, at least I was, uh, I remember one night we had a show at a place called Jillian's. I, can't I remember. remember Jillian's. Was it Rock Hill location? No, they had one in Charlotte, and there was another one. I want to say in Raleigh. Um, they had one. like the bas- the volleyball courts outside, the video arcade inside. Yeah, there was one the down there in South Carolina, though. I just can't remember. I never went to the South Carolina. One. But it was you know you, you didn't miss anything. It was horrible. <laughs> uh, but we were we were we set up stage and um, we started playing, and about two songs in, all of a sudden my chest started hurting bad, and I knew. Uh, you know, my brother had the collapsed lungs. I don't know if you remember that. Brock had collapsed lungs. You know, it's happened, and they have to do surgery. Well, I was looked exactly like him, you know. And so um, I knew that I would collapsed a lung. I was like, right, let's, let's take a break. I, I, we need to reassess how I'm going to get through this, this gig. So um, we're sitting there talking about it. They gave me some medication, pain meds. And they said, you just call the show. I mean, you go to the hospital. I was like, nah, let's get up and finish it. Let's get up. And... I was singing from the drum kit. So there was no singer in that band. I was the singer and the drummer. And I have a collapsed lung. <laughs> so I get up there. I said, we're not taking any breaks. We're going an hour and a half. Let's get it over with. Oh, this and is the biggest musician flex moment. It is a flex moment. I'm proud of it. You pulled a Phil Collins with I a collapse lung. Collapse of 40%, I think it was collapse. Jeez. My, so anyway, I'll get to that part. I'll, I'll elaborate on it. We finished the show. Every time I moved, it felt like I had bubbles in my throat because my larynx had shifted over the weight from the, the pressure of the lung and pushed everything over. My aorta was pushed over. So it felt weird every time I moved. Oh, yeah. So... You know, naturally, you go to the hospital. Nah. I went home. Went home. Uh, went to sleep. Woke up the next day thinking, you know, because it had done it before. Sometimes it does it like 5%, 10%. And it got back up on its own. They give you some pain meds. Tell you to wait a couple of days. Go do your thing. Uh, this one did not do that. It still, it still felt like somebody was sitting on my chest. So I went to the hospital. And they were like, how, how did... 
how did you do that? How did you sing full out like that and play the drums with a collapsed lung? Because apparently it was worse than I thought it was, which Jeez. they wouldn't let me see the x-ray. That kind of pissed me off. Uh, they had it on screen outside. Let my dad see it. Wouldn't let me see it. But it was apparently pretty bad. They were freaking me out. And uh, so I had to get a chest tube. Had to go under the... They did surgery. Cut off part of the lung. How old were you at this point? I was 19. Goodness gracious. Wow. So they took off part of the lung. Four weeks. And we played our first show after that with the new members of the band. And then... Uh, yeah, so I played a show with 40% collapse lung. Man, that's crazy. Uh, it could have been worse. It could have been 100%. I probably wouldn't have finished the show if, I, if it had been Well, that. no. <laughs> I mean. But definitely. Not probably, me. I ain't doing that. I don't know. Probably wasn't a, probably wasn't a wise decision. That's right. <laughs> Somebody else in the room? <laughs> yeah. Sound bite for you. Yeah, that was, I guess you call that a musician flex moment. Oh, right? for sure. When people yeah, complain make about just... stubbing their toe or something, I'm like, I played an hour and a half of the collapse. I'm like, shut your mouth. <laughs> well, that's shut like, your mouth. That clip will make it to the YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh, for sure, man. That's like uh, Michael's schedule. Sometimes I try to complain about my schedule, and then I look at Michael's schedule, yeah. and I'm like, well, I can't really complain. <laughs> He'll say that, too. He'll be like, I don't know why I'm complaining. I know your schedule. It's yeah. like, when was the last time you took a crap in your own bathroom? Yeah, that's right. Shut yeah. Up. I usually just crap my own pants. I ain't going to the bathroom. Be a man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Let's uh, let's promote your music some more, man. Let you talk about your albums and how people can listen to them. Yeah. Well, the first record is you can wasted words. Wasted words. You can Google Google Brent Cates, and that probably will come up. Um, it's on Apple. It should be one of the first top. <laughs> I don't think there's very many Brent Cates in the world that, well, at least not any that did records. Thank God. Uh, but there's a. Uh, it's on Apple Music. It's on Spotify. I think it's on. You probably get it on Amazon Music. All that, you know, it's available. The second one, for some odd reason, is only available through like Amazon Music, places like you go and you could download the tracks. But they never put it on Apple Music or Spotify. And I, I paid for it. I, I okayed it. Tried to get it passed. It's still showing approved after years. I'm like, I don't get it. Hmm. So, so Amazon Music would be the place if to you, go. You just have to Google Remnants. The second record was Remnants. And so if you put in my name and you know Brent Cates, Remnants, it'll probably pull up every available um, place to get it. That record, like I said, is probably, I think I'm more proud of that one because I, I did everything. There was no other musicians. Well, I was going to mention the, the second album, although it is a little harder to find. Um, I caught some spiritual overtones in that album. And correct me if I'm wrong, I just it just feels like the, you were in more of a spiritual place writing that music. Well, I was I was by myself. That's the big thing is, is um, you know, in the first, well, the first record, I had people looking at me through the glass and... Uh, you know, Stone Sour. in the head, out of, <laughs> the, in the headphones, you know, like, yeah, could you do that again? You know, it was a little uh, bit, you know, it, the it was producer just, thing. It was awkward. Yeah. It was weird. You know, my first time in a studio. This one, I had control over everything. I had nobody there except for when I needed to track drums. I'd bring somebody and hit the button. You know, I brought yeah. my dad in for that. And I have the songs up here, so all I do is hit play and just play them. And, 
And uh, after that, it, it was all done, just me, just sit in the room by myself with the board, hit play, record, stop it if I need to. Uh, it was just relaxed. I could just, didn't have to, I didn't have a time, I didn't have somebody going, okay, it's $950 a day, nah. so you better get it done, you know. Yeah. I'd sat all the time in the world. If I didn't want to record, I didn't record. If I didn't want to write, I didn't write. You know, if I felt like I wanted to work on it, I went and worked on it. You know, so it was a little more free, and I could take my time with it. And some of those songs were ones that were supposed to go on the first record that we just, I wasn't ready for them. Right. I was able to stick them into the, the uh, second record. And one of them, I think it's, I think it's called Wendy's Song. I stole the words from my wife had this book she would just write stuff down in and just you know just random thoughts I guess and uh, she wrote I, I was flipping through it she let me see it it wasn't like I snuck you know she let me see it uh -huh. I said, like read I her diary so I was reading it I was like hmm I like that and so I ended up putting it in the song and, did you yeah. give her that credit on the oh yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely she didn't really care you know she doesn't even remember writing it I don't think uh, I uh, I didn't get the chance to hear that. Is that an acoustic song? It's a uh, no. It's full full production on the second record. There there, there is one song in there. I think it's all acoustic. It's the last song. That one is Little Hands. That's from my. I wrote that for my son. And what's funny when you told me the other night, I should do it. I was like, I can't remember the words. Like I haven't done these songs in so long. I actually have to go back and relearn them when I play them. Some of them, especially that one, because I haven't played. I mean, you play that in a bar. They're running for the door. His little hand got around my heart, grow so fast when I'm not looking. His little eyes Hope can see the man Try so hard to be for you And I'll be your home Be the reason you are not alone I know there'll come a day when the world was still you away from me You will still be Sound a lot like me, but it always seemed to say, I'll be your home, be the reason that you are not alone. 
come a day when the world steals you away from me. You still be mine. And I'll be Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Cates. Go to Spotify, go to Apple Music, go to Amazon, go to his YouTube, go to his Facebook, show this man some support. He's doing it. He's doing the damn thing. He is. And and he did he did a Phil Collins with a fucking collapsed lung. So give this man <laughs> Yeah, some... the man sung with a collapsed lung for an hour and a half while playing drums. I... Top that. Who's next? Who's, Who's next? next week? What's up? <laughs> exactly. I'm sure that well. I think Dave Grohl would probably chime in. Uh, leg break? Yeah. yeah. That, that dude's a legend. He is. He I'll is. go to the hospital and get my leg fixed. We're coming back, you know. <laughs> I think Brent Cates is a legend. Let's get some, uh, some live music going. Yeah. Uh, Brent, thank uh, you so much for doing this, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Now you know the truth. The truth will set you free. Back home, there's something calling me more than that that takes me away. More than the words of person. All the dues that I have to pay them Nothing I can do I'm stuck here in this place But the love I have for you And the love for the road But it carries me away